0: hello and welcome to episode 12 of the kit mag pod a bit like chelsea sponsor you can't get rid of us and three remain here so welcome joining us this week we've got alex who's sat in the guest chair today panel guest chair what do you want to say yeah, novel experience, I like it, no pressure I see you dressed down as well, do you want to tell us what you're wearing?
1: Yeah, uh, I'm really ashamed, it, so it's a Lyle and Scott jumper They did a collaboration with Lovers FC, did a few distinctive sort of 80s and 90s football shirts as jumpers Objectively, it's hideous, but it's based on an early 90s Dortmund shirt, so uh, I'm quids in So yeah, I would say check it out on the thread, but uh, it's maybe one you could give a miss
0: like the mould in my old student house, it's uh, it's growing on me, Alex. <laughs> Tom, welcome back this week. Thank you for
2: having me again. Do you want to talk us through that below average outfit that you're wearing today? So today, I thought i come to the level of our guest, our esteemed guest. And I've gone for the, the mighty chocolate and amber. Don't be saying brown and yellow. Chocolate and amber of Sutton United. And this is a match-worn kit from 2016-17, and it was the shirt they wore when they hosted Leeds in the FA Cup and beat them 1-0. So haven't gone that low, have I, Adrian? A
0: beautiful piece of history, Tom. And having watched Sutton play against Swindon this week, it's good to see they're still playing that same level of non-league football, even today.
1: (laughs) Is that washed then post-match,
2: Tom? It must be, because, well, I don't know, it's probably me that that smell is emanating from. Yeah, I think it must (laughs) have been, yeah. For anybody interested in what I'm wearing today, I'm also, it's a nod to
0: today's guest, somewhere in the Swindon Town third shirt from the season that they won League Two. It's a purple number, limited release, there were 400 shirts made. The special thing is the club gave up the shirt sponsor space to the Derby Rimmer Foundation, Stephen Derby being an ex-Swindon Town player, ex-Liverpool ex Bradford or whole, whole host of clubs, but he does suffer unfortunately from, from a, a rare condition and it was towards raising funds for that. The shirts were raffled off at the end of the season. With no further ado, let's move on to this week's news. And this week we have a mashup in Pescara. Real Madrid welcome back an ex-designer friend, which Tom will pronounce. And we have some fantastic news to announce with volume three of Kit Mag. So Tom, do you want to tell us about this Pescara mashup shirt? It's, uh, it's very nice to see a mashup shirt done well.
2: Is, is this a first as well? This is the interesting thing. So this year, or oh, this year, this week even, we had ARIA, who are Pescara's kit manufacturer, team up with them and they released a mashup shirt to celebrate 10 years, and this is how they put it, of their technical partnership. So essentially, the shirt was a mashup, an amalgamation of different elements of the last 10 Pescara home shirts, which fortunately were all blue and white stripes. Otherwise, that could have been really ugly. But yeah, have we, have we seen a shirt like this before where a, a club has celebrated a partnership with a manufacturer? I can't think of one.
0: Puma and Man City did a mashed up shirt didn't they last year, it was never worn in a game but it was horrendous and they made it and I think it sold out and that, I, I don't know what that was recognising, it was a mash up and there were also some of those score draw England shirts during the Euros weren't there that were the, all the Umbro shirts mashed up again, yeah, car crash
2: That's generous as a football shirt to say that, I think, that one Arsenal and others have been celebrating that bruised banana for about the last 10 years haven't they Yeah, true, true, they've been milking that banana definitely <laughs> But um, yeah, this one was worn in a game, this Pescara shirt, which is probably the most noteworthy thing about it for a mashup shirt. And they played Cesena earlier in the week and beat them 1-0 as well. So it was a match-winning shirt, one-off. But for those that haven't seen it, it is, it is really nice. Like I say, blue and white stripes, 10 years worth of blue and white stripes throughout the shirt. But it's all kind of finished off with kind of a, a nice gold trim, gold badge and gold area symbol. So yeah, it is, it is a nice shirt. Dolphins came up trumps against the seahorses. The seaside derby. <laughs> I, I couldn't think of anything better.
1: <laughs> nice shirt though, yeah? Yeah, I'm a big fan, I don't know. Do you like it, Alex? Since I'm not presenting anymore, I think my only job on this pod is to be contrary. I, I don't see the fuss. I saw a lot of positive com- comments. I mean, it's okay. It's the same blue and white striped shirt with slightly different width and toned stripes. Uh, I feel like I'm, I'm missing something here yeah i I, I just it's okay i like the gold details i thought when it was actually on pitch that the the white sponsors white outline sponsored it really didn't do any favors but yeah not not really floating my boat
2: it's important to fill the listeners in that alex actually hates all sea life which is why (laughs) he's not a fan of this living in land (laughs) but he um, he won't
1: even
0: buy shirts made out of recycled bottles fished out of the ocean
1: yeah, I, no, I live a under yards away from the Bridgewater <laughs> Canal, so I'm in constant fear of my house being underwater, so it's um, my natural enemy.
2: I mean, one of the interesting things I found about this in, in the, the press release was that they, there was a big spiel that was tweeted from the Kit Mag account about this shirt having innovative material. It's antiviral and antibacterial fabric, which is another new thing. I've never heard of that on a shirt before, but maybe this is just the post-COVID world we're
0: living in. You're right. I think you did well to point out on Tuesday night on the KitMag account, and I saw it on some of the other big accounts the following morning as well. So it was useful to to see that. Well, so two out of three of us are giving that the thumbs up. Alex is basically getting himself back in the host chair next week with diverse opinions about beautiful <laughs> shirts like that. In some exciting news closer to home,
1: what's going on with KitMag, Alex? So yeah, so we've been working on the third issue. For those of you who were watching the account over the weekend will have seen Jobs front cover. So Job's the designer. Just a shout out to him for the excellent work he does on the the mag. So it's an IX inspired cover which ties in with Rob's piece on Bambaston's uh, careering career in kit. Fantastic piece, if you think of the material you've got there. The whole, like, late 80s Ajax, early 90s Milan, and, of course, not to mention the 88 Netherlands top as well. So 12 new articles. Somebody, you might have seen the CFS article, so that we've done an interview with Matt and Doug, covered a lot of kind of controversial ground. So there's um, some £300 classics they're describing as overrated, some of our least favourite shirts have been described as future classics. And they also talk about going on the lash in a five grand match worn shirt. Definitely one to, to read out. And yeah, the, the third, as you've seen, cover article is about Union Saint Gelois. So, a Belgian team, actually the third most successful with 11 titles, but they haven't been in the top flight since 1948. They're actually owned by tony bloom who owns brighton as well so they've been in the top flight this season this is covering their history of kits from the 30s and so uh, onward plenty to read and we'll be get, releasing more details about the new issue over the next sort of, two or three weeks or so
0: i'm very excited to read that and actually the kit mag twitter account did a beautifully edited and directed video about usg anybody who wants to do a little bit of research ahead of that kit article just find that on our twitter feed Tom, anything in there you're excited about flicking
2: the pages to? (laughs) I'm really interested and excited to see the the Van Basten piece, I have to admit. He's a a man close to my heart. Unfortunately, I missed pretty much the entirety of his career, but he's got possibly the best career in kits in my eyes. And yeah, he's like this mystical kind of legendary striker to me. And my dad was a huge fan. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to reading that one. That should be great. And actually, he missed the last part of his career as well. So you do have
0: something in common with it. (laughs) Alex, are you going to give us any scoops? Maybe give us one more of those articles that we can't see from the cover.
1: So we've got a couple of our favourite designers. So Craig and Rob, uh, so you'll know from Spark Design. They're both doing bits about key parts of their history, of their career. So some really nice anecdotes about what it's like to actually be within the kit world, meeting up with these kind of world-class squads and so on. So some really nice stories in there.
0: Really looking forward to reading that. Speaking of designers, Tom, a couple of famous
2: designers, and one famous designer in particular whose name you're going to pronounce is links up with Real Madrid again. So, yeah, we're seeing a Yoji Yamamoto sandwich because he has designed a Real Madrid shirt before, a black shirt, and he's returned in between Pharrell Williams' human race effort to design another black shirt for Real Madrid, which I think they're going to be wearing or have worn by the time this goes out in El Clasico. So yeah it's to celebrate 20 years of Adidas Y3 which is his brand and it's also the 120th anniversary of the club. It kind of follows his on-brand efforts from before black with white details but the interesting thing on this one is that the Adidas logo is gone. So we see we see the three stripes but no Adidas logo and instead we have Yoji's Y3 on the right breast instead
0: no that was a really interesting piece about the badge and actually last time around second time we linked up the last time around they went with the adidas logo why do people think that might be and what do you think of seeing that on the on the kit i
1: mean should we be that attached to it it's obviously it's fourth shirt you expect a bit more creativity not particularly attached to to that i think in terms of the shirt itself it's quite subtle, isn't it? I think it's probably been a bit of a disappointment for people when they hear about a Yamamoto collaboration with Real because they're really dramatic. You know, the first dragon shirt in, what, 2014, 15? And then I actually really like the human race version. I thought it was that sort of smoky dragon effect was pretty good. Instead, it's this subtle. It's sort of like a Zen garden brush patterns effect. So, a decent shirt. I think probably the promo pics didn't weren't great. They didn't seem to pick out the pattern very well. Decent effort, and probably people's enthusiasm for it is tempered by the fact that it's coming against you know on the back of a really kind of dramatic collaboration last time.
2: I mean, I think you're spot on with those promo images. They could have they could have got some closer shots of the actual shirt, couldn't they? They're quite like far away but I do like it I like the Y3 I think it's always cool to see a different logo on a shirt and the best thing about the shirt actually I think is the name set I don't know if yeah, they'll be yeah, allowed yeah. to wear that but it, it's really cool of course last time around with the Pharrell Williams mashup
0: of that Y3 shirt the original Y3 shirt Real Madrid weren't very happy with the logo and changed the badge for the game this time around it looks like a nice heat press badge on the shirt yeah I, I actually
2: liked the, uh, the I was very happy with the the last human race Badge. I thought it was really good, but I know I'm going to get, oh, it looks like kids with crayons, but maybe I like kids with crayons. All right. I liked it. (laughs) Goodness.
0: Those kids with crayons are now Puma
1: shirt designers, Tom. um i'm gonna put it out here to be ridiculed uh once again i don't think the prices of human race have really started to climb i've not seen a lot kind of coming out on ebay and so on i, I do think there'll be a, like a real classic in a few years i think there are set you know it's really easy isn't it to pick up those four it's not a big set to collect but i think that'll be something that will go for mega prices probably in 10 years it's very much sort of you remember the time they've all been used in a match i think except united i think was a pre-match um, yeah, at Arsenal I think they were pretty right, much two two out of four then Um <laughs> there is a, a pink goalkeeper kit for this new one, I don't know if you've seen that so again the same sort of pattern but yeah that I, th- I thought that that looks pretty decent as well, same sort of yeah, the Zen garden brush effect Is that going to be available? Because I remember I think Adrian
2: you might have even pointed it out to me Juventus, their human race shirts the goalie kit was incredible it was never available and yeah I, I like this, this, this one again I think it's it's nice but i just hope it is going to be sold all of our listeners will know the answer to that life
0: great question by the time the pod comes out my assumption is that it will be for sale it's in most of the promo shots so i think there'd be a miss not to include it and they are actually launching a whole uh, leisure range associated with the brand as well this time around so it's not just the four shirts but there'll be some casual or smart casual depending on what your family events are like
1: to wear yeah there's a decent jacket terrible trousers checked it out already go for the jacket
0: (laughs) sounds like my standard work attire
1: well if you want to base your fashion choices on that of a late 30s dad
0: that's a compliment late 30s right now (laughs) (laughs) that concludes this week's news So this week, we are delighted to welcome one half of the TikTok account, Life of a Kitsman, and that's Steve Hooper, a man close to my heart, because he's the Swindon Town Kitsman, or one half of the Swindon Town Kitsman. Welcome to the pod, Steve.
3: Thank you. Nice to be on.
0: Why don't you start by telling us a bit about that TikTok account? And I mean, yourself and Jonah are going viral at the moment.
3: Well, I, I guess. <laughs> um, it's just a bit of fun, really. Like, we got a lot of people that always always asking what we do you know so we figured well what better way rather than just answering the questions all the time and just show people what we do you know and it seems to be going down alright we just keep making a few silly videos a few funny bits a few informative videos and just see where it goes really
0: we'll share the links obviously to your Twitter account and obviously to the TikTok account but I would say anybody has got a fascination for kit. Kids- and what goes on behind the scenes, what goes on in the boot room, what goes into sort of prepping the change rooms and stuff like that, it's, and just messing around as well. It's eye-opening and, and great to see. Oh, good, thank you. So I guess the first question that's on most people's mind is how do you get into the job of a kit?
3: It's a bit of a crazy story, really, and it's quite similar for Jonah's route into it as well. So I was working at the club as a coach in the academy. The kit man decided he just wasn't going to turn up. So they had no kit man. And I had a phone call just asking if I could help out for the week just to get them through a game. I think they had Macclesfield away. Yeah, and they just needed some help. So they Frank and said, oh, can you come out for the week? We'll pay you for it, whatever. I said, yeah, can I do? I popped down, see what it is. I had no idea what was going on. I didn't know, never done anything like it before. Never been around the first team before. It was yeah, a bit crazy. Jonah was working in the shop at the club and he had the same question. And we both kind of met in the kit room that day. And three, just over three years later, we're both still doing it and been together every day since.
2: So it goes it's to show you hanging around the changing rooms it really does pay off.
3: <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> so,
2: I mean, maybe you could tell us a bit more about what your kind of typical day is, if if there is one as a Kitsman.
3: It's, it's every day's different, to be honest. But I mean, typically we're getting about 7am, Will, because... Problem we, or we Not a problem, but the situation that we're in is that our training ground is about 40 minutes away from the stadium and all of the stuff to do our job is based at the stadium. So we need to go to the stadium in the morning, get everything ready, load it all up, take it across to the training ground and then set up for training when we get there. Then obviously the lads will all come in. We obviously try to get set up nice and early so that everything's ready for them when they come in. Then they're in. We have about an hour where they have breakfast. Um, we sit with the lads just have a bit of a chat have a bit of a chill uh, play some pool get beat a bit Um, (laughs) yeah and then and then we go out to training during the training sessions we help out we you know clear stuff down as activities in the sessions are finished off you know help the lads out if they're doing any shooting at the end or you know any of that kind of or any extras at all. we just kind of stay and help out pack everything up get back inside tidy everything up in there um, once we're ready and we've got everything there we load everything back on the van drive back across to the stadium and then the process of offloading washing it drying it sorting it and getting everything ready for the next day starts that's typically about 2-3 o'clock in the afternoon and we'll be done by about 6 and then we do it's it a all a again long the same day it's <laughs> <is> a long <laughs> yeah, day it's a long day but uh, you know it, it's alright to be fair like it, it's a dream job really isn't it let's be honest if anyone said to you like you know, other than being a player or a coach or whatever, what's the best job in football? It's going to be the kit, man, surely. You're with the first team all day, every day. You're with all the lads. You go to every game. You're in the change room with the boys. You see the highs. You see their lows. We obviously got promoted two years ago, which was incredible. Obviously got relegated last year, which was not so incredible. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but but you see it all and you you go through it all with the lads. And it's, you know, it's a it's brilliant job, like, you know, no matter how long the days are, every minute is is good fun. And you know, what a job?
2: I mean, to be honest, I do what you do on the weekends, and I don't get paid for it. And that's just knocking around in, my, in the spare bedroom with with all my shirts, and I don't even have my friends with me. So. Yeah, I'm definitely envious <laughs> of what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> we collect football yeah. shirts. We haven't got any friends, Tom.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> oh, we also collect football shirts. <laughs> I've seen your collection. I'm quite jealous. Yeah, of oh, we, yeah. yeah. We've got a few of them. Yeah. I'll be honest. Kevin, Kevin Bruyne popped up this season. <laughs> yeah. so.
0: So, um, so that's during the week. I guess on a match day, I guess a home game is probably an easier day for you because most of the stuff's at the stadium. But an away yeah, game, I mean,
3: or away game, it, that again all depends. If it's an overnight, there's quite a good one to go through. So, on the Friday, we'll train at the stadium usually on the Friday morning. Then the lads eat lunch and then depart for whatever hotel we're going to at about midday. And obviously, we've then got a wash, dry, sort everything then set up everything for the match and load the van and then drive to the hotel. So typically we'll get to the hotel about nine and a half, nine on a Friday evening, um, just because it takes that long. I mean, because of the situation that we went through in the summer, there's not the amount of kit that we'd like. So a lot of the kit that's worn in a training session needs to be worn in a warm-up. And so we can't even, while they're training, set up to go to the game because we need to wait until they're out of their kit to wash it, sort it. And then set up all the match kit, so it's a long process there. And then driving to wherever we're going. We went to Carlisle last or two weeks ago, and then Bradford last weekend. So it's you know there's some travelling involved. And then obviously on the Saturday, it's it's a bit more relaxed, to be honest. We can have a breakfast in the hotel. You know, we we hang about a little bit. We go to the ground about maybe ten half ten, and just give ourselves because the lads are getting about one. Gives ourselves two and a half, you know, two, two and a half hours just to kind of crack on, get everything done, make sure it's absolutely perfect for when the lads come in. Because what you don't want to be doing is rushing around. You know, you want everything to be perfect for when they come in
0: people have got to check out. I think one video you did in particular on TikTok was the Bristol Rovers away game and you sort of yep. showed all the all the suitcases ready of stuff to go out and then yeah. the camera panned around and the room was all set up and the effort you go to is amazing, you know, in terms of pictures, posters, getting it all set out for them and getting, I guess getting them well, we, in the right mindset.
3: We like to, uh, especially with the pictures, that a lot of those images from the first day of the season when we were away at Scunthorpe, it was a really good day, played really, really well, won the game. So all the pictures are really, really good. So for us, when we put those pictures up and players come in, so Harry McCurdy is a great one, he's a very emotional kind of character he'll come in, he'll see that picture of himself celebrating at Scunthorpe after his first goal for the club on the first day of the season and he'll feel those emotions and he'll feel good about himself and he'll start to visualise how he played, how he scored you know. and then I, it, I like to think that that kind of changes the mindset a little bit and people start to feel the good stuff and maybe forget about games where we haven't performed, you know? Yeah, it's you a see good, what I'm saying?
2: It's a good point, something I've never considered. There's a little bit of like psychology and even coaching in some of the things that you do as a kit man, like how you lay stuff out. Like you said, it can put them in the right frame of mind to go out there and perform for 90 minutes. It's
3: interesting. Exactly that. It's what we try to do because every little bit from every department and every member of staff, you all play a part in creating that environment that the players can then go and perform in. And yeah. let's be honest, that's what we're all there for. Mm-hmm. So anything we can do that makes it just a more productive and more positive environment, it, it just needs to be done. Do you know what I
0: mean? A lot of us got a taste for that, and insight to that would be all or nothing documentaries that are a bit, you know, quite high profile. And we yeah, sort of, of course. Sort of, the sort of character the Man City Kitsman was and, and how he sort of influenced things in the dressing room and the mood. And looking at some of your videos and what goes on at Swindon at the county ground, it's, it's evident that I know you're self-taught because nobody shows you guys how to do it, but but you're very much about mould. I can see how you pick up the players and motivate them and just make the place a great place to be.
3: Yes, as I said, it's what we try to do. I mean, my coaching background allows me to, I mean, I've been coaching for 15 years and I worked at another club before I was at Swindon as a coach. And especially youth coaching as well, you, you do a lot. When you're going through your badges and your youth award and stuff like that, you do a lot around the environment and around the social aspects and you know and, and the psychological side of it. And I think I, a lot of that is used within this role. And I don't see why, just because it's a kit man role, you shouldn't use what you you know the knowledge that you've got to try and you know help the guys to perform. Because you know, as I said, that's what we're all there for.
2: Absolutely, and like you said, it's those little things that can kind of set someone on the right course, if you like. With that in mind, are there any players in particular that have any certain superstitions with their kit, or is there any superstitions you guys have like to do things a certain way?
3: I mean, everything's a certain way, down to... We'll obviously wrap all the kit in a towel when we're transporting it from one place to another. When we get there, Jonah has a role where he goes to eat. We put all the towels out, number order. And then he'll go to each towel, unroll it, put the kit on, and put the numbered shorts on top so that that's all in the same order so that it looks uniformed and it looks nice. And, and everyone knows then, when I get in, I know my shorts are on top, my jumper's underneath. I know where I am. Shin pads always go to the right of that pile. Sliders and boots always go underneath. Again, folded in a, in a certain way so that the sliders are to the right of it, just so that everybody has a similar... You know, and also because whether well, then we have a routine, it makes our setup much easier because we know, oh right, we'll do the boots, then we we'll do the sliders, we know where they're all gonna sit. So if I do half of it and Jonah does half of it, it all looks the same. There's no or oh, you can see what I've done and you can see what Jonah's done. It's mm-hmm. just do you know what I mean? We we have the way. So literally everything in the change room is set in a certain way. The problem comes when you go to a ground that you've not been before, you've not seen the changing room. So when you walk in you've then got a survey the area see what you've got see what room you've got to work with and then you've got to adapt and work it to see what you can see what you can do with it
0: what's the worst place you've been
3: come on worst place um gillingham was tight brentford before they moved to their new ground was very tight that was Sandwich very between small.
2: two pubs wasn't it they're changing room
3: <laughs> yeah it's a bit it was a bit mad um obviously during covid that was interesting when there was no fans and we weren't allowed in changing rooms and things we went to ipswich and we were on the fourth floor in some bar (laughs) so we had a lift that could only take one of the metal tins at a time so we had to load everything in take one tin up to the fourth floor offload it come back down get another one it took forever Uh, yeah so that was like a proper struggle and then The lads all got changed and they had to go down four flights of stairs to get to the pitch. Yeah, whether that was uh, tactical, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I don't know. But, you know, some clubs just allowed us to use whatever and other clubs were quite picky on what we had and what we didn't have. And, you know, you'd have things like, I think Fleetwood, I had the changing room, but I was only allowed 10 people in the changing room, which is an interesting number because then obviously you can't even get your 11 in there. Um, And then I had a corridor and then I had a concourse in the stand for all the staff.
2: Who pulled the short straw and had to wait outside? Was it the keeper? Or?
3: Uh, so what I did was I just went number order that day. Ah. So instead of doing an 11 and doing a, we just went number order so that no one could, we were just like, well, we don't know what the team is. It's just the 11, you know, it's just, just the 18 in number order. It was that's, the fairest way to do it. And
0: that's still sort of your fault because I heard that you used to choose the numbers as well.
3: <laughs> well, we did um, Up until this season, actually um, Yeah, we were in charge of sorting out the squad numbers and everything else But this season, the new manager's taken over that role Which is fine, Like right? It's what he wants to do It takes a load off of me, to be honest Makes
0: sense, makes sense So in terms of what goes on in the background Have there been any sort of epic fails over the couple of years Where you've had near disasters that you've managed to avert?
3: We had one Which... We don't. We still don't to this day know whose fault it was, but we had a player. It, it, there was a player went on the pitch with the wrong name on his back. It was spelt incorrectly, right? <laughs> now, if I'm the player and I walk in the change room and I see my shirt hanging up and my name's spelled wrong, I go, "Wait a minute, my name's spelt wrong." <laughs> no, who was this? Come on, I don't remember. Who was it? Uh, just a lab we had from Birmingham called Cameron McGilp. Or McGlip Or Maglip. Or oh, oh, the Australian lad. The E-gamer. the e yeah, E-G- yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah,
3: Brilliant lad. Unbelievable. Really nice kid. Um, yeah, no, I liked him a lot. But yeah, he had... His name's McGilp, and he had McGlip written on his back. So he must I be dyslexic, mustn't he? I didn't print <laughs> the shirt myself, so I don't know who did it. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, I think it was a combination, you know... Other staff within the club potentially that helped out with some printing. Yeah, wasn't wasn't there
0: a story about turning up to uh, an away game at Port Vale as well?
3: Yeah, so we got to Port Vale and we didn't have Alan Doyle's shirt with us, which is brilliant. What shirts to forget? he's <laughs> on twenty odd goals for the season, and we haven't bought a shirt. So we've run rushed around to the shop with one out of the blood bag because we have a bag that we take with us every game. So if someone gets blood nose and gets blood on their shirt then they can just quickly swap. That's always in the dugout. They can just quickly swap into another one. So we had to grab one from that bag and go and get it printed up. And luckily, the people in the shop were like, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, don't worry (laughs) about it. Because imagine if they had said no. I mean, that's interesting
2: you say about the bag. On average, how many shirts would a player go through in a season?
3: Okay, so they have two. Two home, two away, two third, if you have a circuit. And if they give one away, they're allowed to give away two. Okay. And after that, they then have to purchase from the club shop to replenish the stock, which has been another problem this year because we haven't got any shirts in the club shop <laughs> because they sold out. So. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so we've been a bit short on stock, which is but it's fine. <laughs> so All no swap. We've got that. <laughs> Every now and then, I put a little message in the group chat. Please don't give away your shirts today, lads. We're short. <laughs> but So, yeah.
0: But, so it the Puma kits, we have Puma kits at Swindon for a few years now. What's your view on the overall quality of those
3: kits and uh, this season kits? Uh, it's it's fine. Like we've got a couple of bespoke designs this year as well, which are quite nice. No, it's it's all right. Like I mean, the sizes the sizes are a bit tight for what you'd think they would be, but then that's you know if you go to I don't know someone else, they'd be bigger, and you go. You know, so it, it is what it is really like, I'm glad it's, that's not just me right.
0: that finds them tight I'm glad the players find them tight as well I've t- consoled yeah, I mean, myself on that
3: But w- what we do is we just get the lads in to try them on before we figure out who's having what you know what I mean, see what they're comfortable in and then go from there, rather than just numbering it all up and then going, there you go, we think you're a medium they come in, they try them on and they see where they're at so I would say
0: people check out the home kit because it is nice. It's got a nice pinstripe down it and it's got the yeah. old club, club badge within that pinstripe yeah, as well. well down. It's, really nice. it's
3: really nice. Really nice. Really um, nice. Just going back to one kit thing, like weird superstition. We have a player who likes me to cut about a quarter of an inch off the bottom of his shirt. So every time he puts his new shirt on, I have to get the medical scissors because they're sharp enough for material and go around the shirt, cut a quarter of an inch off. Is the that bottom. all the way around as well? all the way around and i i see it as a challenge and i tried to get it all done in one go and i should have kept i should have kept them all made a piece of art out of it to be honest, yeah you should have done so many
4: or another shirt if he scops
3: free <laughs> <new> <laughs> <art in. laughs> but yeah just this little bit off the bottom of the head at the bottom, he likes me to cut it off i don't know he i don't think he knows but it's something he's always done since since whenever since we started the job so yeah. who's that uh dion comroy actually all right yeah, an old,
2: old yeah. Chelsea boy, isn't he? Old, he
3: honest. is an old Chelsea boy. Yeah, yeah. Don't there there's, a li- there's a Swindon <laughs> and a
2: Chelsea link for the two of us, there, Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> and a- are you a Swindon fan, Steve? Yourself?
3: I am. Yeah, yeah. I've been going for years. Probably did four hundred plus games as a fan before, uh-huh. yeah, before working at the club and everything else. So, yeah, I've been ever. I think I think I've done eighty-two grounds now just watching Swindon. So, yeah. yeah. Been a part of it. Yeah, seen a a few parts of this country and seen us losing some as well. Swindon
0: had one of those stats every year, didn't they, where they they were the only team that had played every single team in the English League Pyramid. I didn't know that. Yeah, a couple of years ago. That's interesting. There you go. Yeah, Useless information along the macro. (laughs) That's good, though. Along the macro bit.
3: I'm going to have to Google it, find out. (laughs) It's interesting, Right, so we talked about the Swindon kit
0: opposition kits what's impressed you and what hasn't impressed you
3: um i like exeter's away kit this year the dark one with the pink from the bottom that like fades into the dark grey top mm. i quite like that um and what i do find strange and it nearly caught me out this year is bradford swapping their away and home shirts around what are you what are you doing why are you wearing white at home and orange and maroon away i don't understand so did that nearly catch you out in terms of what kit you brought along with you yeah so we we were going to play in yellow and green anyway because you know that's the way we, we we've been yeah. yeah we've been quite good in it so we, we were going to do that anyway but in terms of goalkeeper kits we went with the what did we wear we were the navy either, either way whichever way it was yeah we wore the navy because we didn't want to wear the pink because it would have been close to their home kit if you see what I'm saying because of the orange and the but the pink is the away kit so we took the home goalkeeper kit and then obviously they were in white and I was like well we could have just worn but also we could have just worn red <laughs> because they were in white so yeah it was yeah there's been, a, there's been a couple this year but that one I was like surely so I had a look I obviously googled all their kits from previous years and they're always orange and maroon and then this year they're white and I have no idea why And there's, I looked back through and I couldn't even see a historical kit where they were white so, because I thought maybe, yeah, maybe it was like a first kit thing and they were like doing a callback to that or something. But I, I couldn't see anything, any reason. So, I don't know. But yeah, that confused me a bit. I thought they'd be in Orange and Marine.
0: I bet I that could catch, that catch a few teams out of that, couldn't it really? You think you're packing you, well, it up, yeah.
3: or play Bradford away? You and... think so? Yeah, yeah. It's my fault, really. I should have checked, shouldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> I should have got the old handbook out. Going, oh, look. But it's Bradford City, so what were you expecting? If you play Swindon, you expect to play. In, you expect them to play in red, don't you? Like uh, we won the game anyway. So.
2: I have to ask you quickly, while we've got you as well, if you could do like a, a fantasy shift, decking out a favourite player in a favourite kit, what would you go for? Oh,
3: this, that's tough. that <laughs> oh. so, you know, there's one that I could say, but I get a lot of banter from the boys about it already, just because. Prior to working at the club, I ran the players football school for him, just like completely unrelated to Swindon, but he was the next Swindon player. And yeah, I'd like to put him in the 93-94 kit from when we were in the Prem. But yeah. It's out
0: there. So who is that? The players where you can't get any more stick for it if they've already given you stick yeah, for it. True. Who's yeah, it's,
3: Charlie, it's Charlie Austin. Ah, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah Putting yeah. him in the 93-94 could be, you know, yeah, could be a good look.
0: That wavy, lo- locky kit. That's a nice kit, that.
3: Yeah, that's nice, and I like
2: that. I like that's a good like answer. We... I think that's a solid... I don't know why you'd get stick for that, Charlie Austin. You're great oh,
3: top man. You know what football's like.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you've
3: just given away your crush right.
0: there. That's what you've done, Steve.
3: <laughs> no, it's all right.
0: <laughs> I was going to ask you what your favourite Swindon shirt ever was, but you've probably given us the answer already, I guess.
3: I mean, to be honest, no. The 2009-2010 the playoff kits... All three of them—the red, the white, and the blue—the blue—the blue third kit's my favourite of all. Yeah, that one, that one we wore at Charlton. Yeah, yeah, I love that kit. Penalty shootout. Yeah, Stephen Darby, Danny Ward scored. It was a good night. That it was a good night. <laughs> I think, again, I think like a kit's made by what happens in it. So last season's away kit was a nice kit, but because we lost every week and we ended up relegated it's never going to be seen as a as a good kit. Whereas the one from the season that we won the league on points per game a couple of years back, I didn't really rate that kit. And because we we got promoted in it and we were champions, that'll always be seen as an iconic kit. I, so, I
2: completely agree with you. I think it's all so about the memories. All about the memories for a kit, I think. Whatever memories there are of that kit is what makes it good, more than the design. Exactly that.
3: And I look at that blue kit and I think leads away 3-0, I think. Fulham away in the FA Cup I think Charlton in the playoffs you know these are iconic like maybe not Fulham so much because we lost but beating Leeds 3-0 away and we were so good that day and you're thinking we're going up it you know and then winning in the semi-final on on penalties away when it looked like everything was done because Greer was sent off and you know David Lucas had hurt his arm early doors and Phil Smith was on and we're down to 10 men and you're thinking well hang on we're in trouble there. we were losing and then Wardy scores and then you go on and win the shootout I think that makes the kit I agree couldn't agree more well let's leave it on that
0: high because that's definitely a high to leave it on Steve been an absolute pleasure having you today absolute pleasure chatting to you and we wish you and Jonah luck for the rest of the season and the rest of the team
3: brilliant thank you cheers for your time it's been great fun
2: cheers Steve good luck for the rest of the season Steven.
0: So, what a great interview what do, you, what do you guys think?
2: Well I really enjoyed meeting him I thought he was great and I'm going to be tapping him up for the next vacancy that comes along I think Yeah I'm just
1: going to stand around at Old Trafford for the next two months and see if I can get myself a, get a job There's a manager's job going soon I've heard <laughs> I don't want it I don't want it
0: <laughs> what I would say Stephen Jones as well as being the Swintown man. great guys and have an awesome shirt collection between them as well so if you follow them on tiktok you see some of their shirts and they've got a great array of match-worn and and old shirts and they even got kevin de bruyne a match-worn shirt from the swindon fa cup game earlier this season unfortunately man city were wearing a puma template that
1: (laughs) (laughs) we've done it we just need a tom joke and we're through for the episode
0: so we move swiftly on to room 101 So let's find out who wants to put what into room 101 this week. Uh,
4: hello, Kit Mag. It's Colin Black here, or Great Left Foot 84 on Twitter, at Great Left Foot on Instagram. So I've proposed that shirts with drawstring collars should be punted into room 101, which may possibly get myself booted into one of room. 101 as well, but this is a hill that I'm willing to die on. First of all, what's the what's the point of a drawstring? Well, if you look at pictures of uh, footballers back in the day, they all have drawstrings. We're talking a hundred years ago here. So the football shirts, if they didn't have buttons on them, they needed a drawstring to open the collar up enough so that the players could get their heads into the shirts without distressing their their peaky blinders haircuts too much. Of course. And without the drawstring or buttons, the collar would have been so wide that there was most definitely a possibility of a a male nip slip throughout the game, which nobody really wants to see. And this is because we didn't, there was no elasticated clothing until the 1950s. So the drawstring is just a completely functionless relic on a modern kit. You might as well include a little pocket for your ivory hair comb if you want to do throwbacks to 100 years ago, or maybe even use a, a pig's bladder instead of a football. So I guess if we fast forward to the, the modern day So what's the point of it on a modern shirt So here we've got like We've got elite level athletes get around a football pitch Being paid millions of quid Every bit of play is vital So like if you picture Picture yourself in the Champions League final Obviously it's Arsenal there um, Next season Mikel Arteta has selected you to play up front Alongside Erling Holland And Joao Felix plays you through on goal The keeper's bearing down on you He's coming out You've picked your spot, then bang, drawstring straight into your eyeball. You're temporarily blinded, and you've completely missed the ball, and you're sold to China the following season. Well, the other feature for kid connoisseurs, of course, is the aesthetics. Does it look well on a shirt? Well, personally, I don't really think it looks particularly pleasing on the shirt, even from that perspective. There was obviously a little resurrection of the drawstring feature in the 1990s, but you know that mid 90s. Roma kit Adrian may or may not agree with me the one with the drawstring probably one of their worst in the 90s the United kit with the drawstring that looked crap as well and more recently last see it was the last season or the one before I think um, Sampdoria did a special kit which was also sh- <laughs> I've actually got quite a lot of France national team shirts and I sold my 1996 to 98 shirt because I just hated the drawstring so much. It just annoyed me to look at. It makes the shirt look, I think, bulky and a bit too fussy, to be honest with you. And if you actually lose the string from the shirt, God forbid, then it looks even more completely f***ed. It's actually ruined without the drawstring there. So in summary, I think drawstrings are a completely redundant relic with no place on a modern kit. And they don't look particularly aesthetically pleasing either, in my humble opinion. Agree with me or not, I'll get my coat. Thanks for having me, Kip Mag.
2: Wow. Let's hope I bleeped all of those points out. Who wants to start? So I was absolutely adamant that lace collars should not go into Room 101 because I've always been a huge fan of the nostalgia. And I have a Chelsea 1992, I think it is, off the top of my head, away shirt with a lace collar. That's one of my favourites. I love the Roma ones, the Sabdoria ones, even the the France 96 one that Colin mentioned. But saying all that, Colin's argument very nearly convinced me because I think he made some brilliant points. But I just I I can't. The nostalgia is just too much for me. And you're throwing far too many classic shirts away at that point to put it in. But I don't know, Alex, how do you feel?
1: Yeah, same with you, uh, Colin. I think that was the most eloquent and passionate defence I've seen of any kind of kit-wearing 101 topic. And I'd encourage people, he's got a really nice collection, Colin. Uh, he's also a an assist by trade. He's got a book out, Gas Man, so I would suggest check it out. He's always got some interesting stuff on his feed. But yeah, like like you, yeah, they are superfluous. Of course, they're n- not really for purpose, but I mean, what features on a shirt aren't? This is a sort of the like excessive nonsense exactly what we go for. I mean, why do you need a collar? why do you need a badge why do you need like a jacquard or something like that all the features are sort of non-essential if you want a pure performance thing you have some hideous lycra thing and all those late 30s dads would be cowering in fear at the prospect of wearing them it basically everything would turn into like a kappa player fit so yeah it'd be difficult to, to to dump it and i think it still works well i think haven't been many recently have they that have used it but i think like the palermo 120th that was really nice version and again it sort of fitted really well because it was of that time and i think most of the versions that do it are kind of homages or anniversary kits so yeah i'm afraid i'm gonna to have to maybe not side with colin
0: yeah sam Doria also did a throwback going back to their foundation last year or the year before and went with a with a string collar design for that I think we're seeing the modern equivalent of as well Macron have released a few shirts this season and last with an updated string collar which we've almost done in elastic style so we've seen that on the Wrexham shirt which is really smart I don't know one how they one the shirts got of
2: the year that I think actually that Wrexham one
0: yeah, and apparently they've had some investment going to the club. They've never mentioned it on their Twitter account before. And we've seen Slavia Prague as well, haven't we? they released released their anniversary shirt as well, I think, which again must be one of the shirts of the year. Beautiful shirt. And again, it's got that same elastic style lace collar, which is probably today's equivalent of. Would I want to see a return to the old-fashioned lace collars that we saw in the 90s? I don't know. I mean, that Roma shirt was, one, I think it was the first shirt I ever actually bought my own pocket money from Don Rogers Sports in Swindon might have mentioned that before but they did also release pop-collar version of the same shirt which the players wore as well and I kind of understand why the thing about the string going in your
2: eye that
0: resonated <laughs> with
2: me See, I'd love that though imagine, I don't know Champions League final you've got, I don't know Mo Salah bearing down on you bearing down on Edward Mendy he lines up to place it in the bottom corner and whack Lace collar right in the eye. I'd, be, I'd, I'd find that absolutely brilliant, I have to say. You might find it brilliant, but there'd be no Chelsea fans there to watch it.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but we'd be having a whale of a time at home in Surrey. <laughs> also, those Charlie shirts, the Mexican ones this year, they all had lace collars. As another new release. I think maybe one thing we perhaps could agree on, I think, is it fine to say lace collars, like original lace collars from the 90s and beforehand, they're great, and it's nice when you see a retro kind of throwback, like a 120th, 100th year anniversary shirt with the collar. But could we agree to maybe put modern releases with lace collars in there? Because that's just going a step too far to being ridiculous. It's
1: very nuanced, very diplomatic of you, Tom.
2: So would you be binning those Mexican lace
0: collars? Because they were done with stylistic intent to uh, replicate the back of a wrestler's mask, I believe.
2: Yep. Yeah, I thought that I thought, again, that was one of the best touches on the whole shirt. So I, I've actually it? been properly swayed by Colin, even though I don't agree with him. He should maybe be a politician.
1: <laughs> I think in terms of the, the features that are likely to impair performance, I think you're more likely to trip over the 90s shorts than you are to be um, hit in the eye with a 90s and lace collar.
0: Some players I didn't realise had shorts on in the nineties. The so shirts were so baggy on
1: them. <laughs> well, I imagine there's quite health. There's some different health hazards of having the eighties shorts. I think it um, definitely
0: caused some circulatory issues. So where do we stand on this? I think I know which way it's going. But
2: Tom, room one hundred and one, or not? No, I just can't. There's there's too many classics, and yeah, the the Charlie shirts, the Mexican ones. They've shown that even on modern shirts, they can still look great.
1: 10 out of 10 for the delivery, 0 out of 10 for the concepts. I'd, I'd like to get Colin back to try and deliver something because I think he could sell ice to the Eskimos, but he's not quite sold this to us.
0: I'm not going to tell you where I stand because I don't want to upset Colin. Colin was a contributor to volume two of Kit Mag and I would like to get him on in the future to talk about <laughs> his article, Polyester Dreams. So uh, Colin, I'm with you on this. Everybody else, I don't agree with Colin.
2: Please don't forget everyone as well to have a look at our Twitter account, at Kit Magazine. Because we've got a bloody brilliant giveaway with today's guest, Steve Hooper, who, of course, is the Swindon Town kit man. He's been really kind and he's given us a match prepped Johnny Williams, Johnny Esther, former Sunderland Palace, Welsh, Welsh, Welsh International. So, yeah, if you want a a chance to win that shirt that was match prepped and signed by him, please look at the Twitter account. Give us a retweet. Give us a like, a follow and a follow to Steve and the fellow kit man Jonah to be in for a chance to win that. And of course, just as an added incentive, they wore that shirt, or that shirt was issued against Sutton United. So, you know, you can't get much more special than that. So yeah, please have a look. That concludes this week's episode of the Kit Mag Pod. We look forward to you joining us again next week.